Anyway, let's get into our word this morning. We're doing a, a series entitled Creatures of Habit, and, and we're talking about how to have a wonderful 2024. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about 2024. I know there's a lot of things that are unknown. I know that we live in a, you know, this is an election year, and, and, and if you haven't noticed that there's a lot of, you know, he said and she said and this side and this side, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of this. You know, sometimes I want them to do this. But there's a lot of that chatter going on. And you know what? It's only going to get worse over the next few months. And, and, and I listen, we, we're not sure about the stock market. We're not sure about, you know, pandemics and epidemics and all the other demics and other things that are going on. But there's one thing I know. Jesus reigns. That, that's the thing I know that is the anchor that holds us. And so this year can be the best year. I know we say it every year, but it can be the best year we've ever had if we get out of some bad habits. And so that's what we've been talking about. So Galatians chapter 5, this morning we're talking about uh, break free, breaking free. Uh, Galatians 5, verse number 1, just one passage. Paul writing to the church of Galatia says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not, everybody say do not. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, this morning, um, we're, we're looking at breaking free from those things that, that entangle us. And, and, and right off the bat, I know that it's easy to say, well, I don't, I don't have an addiction, I don't have any of those. Well, be careful this morning, because I'm, I'm going to unpack a few things, I think, that hit us where we live Remember, we become, we're talking about habits, we become what we repeatedly do, whether that's good or bad. Uh, how many have figured out yet, habits are easy to get into and very difficult to get out of? You know, I, I, I was reading an article the other day, I just glanced at, the, at, at the, one, of the, one of the highlights of the article, and it said the opioid, we've all heard about the opioid uh, situation, the crisis that we're in, in in our country, and many places around the world for that matter, and, and they say that a person can become addicted to prescription medication, in particular opioids, in just three to five days. That's all it takes to become a life-struggling addict, uh, addict to opioids or prescription medication. So, so addictions are very easy to get into and very difficult to get out of. And when it comes to life-controlling habits, here's the thing about them. They, are, they form at, at a pace that's almost unnoticeable. I mean, you, you get locked into patterns of behavior, and before long, it becomes a habit. And a lot of times, you don't ever have any idea. Uh, usually, the person doesn't even know they formed a habit in life. You know, it, it's like the person says, well, I can quit at any time. There isn't a problem. I mean, no, that's not true. When I, was, when, I, when I was in the military, one of the things that, when I went through survival school, one of the things they taught us how to do was to make a rope out of whatever you could find in nature. You know, like, for instance, um, vines, uh, if you had, like, uh, tulips, things like that that had the long, uh, I don't know what you call them, leads or whatever, but you could take it, and the way that you made rope is you you wove that stuff together. So one over here, 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 you just kind of, that's the way habits are. So think about a rope. Think about how, how the illustration of, of, of how it applies to our daily life. Each day we do something in a pattern, okay? And, and we intertwine one thread 
with yesterday's thread, okay? And these threads are woven together to form an unbreakable rope. It's amazing what you can do when you weave it together. In fact, the Bible says that a cord of three strands is what? It's not easily broken. So the idea is that we do things in a, in a pattern. We do something today, very, very subtle. We don't pay attention to it, but it's a pattern. And we repeat that pattern tomorrow. And we repeat that pattern the next day. And what happens is it's like a tiny thread that we weave with yesterday and we weave with the day before and we keep weaving and pretty soon we have an unbreakable bond, a rope. That's a habit. There are many threads that are woven and, 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 and after a while we weave these things together we find out we've got a habit now. Listen, 2024 can be a year of breakthrough if we're willing to change our habits. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about addictions. Now, when I use the word addictions, I know immediately we start thinking about drugs, alcohol, pornography, things like that. Remember, what one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. That, that's proven out time and time again. What one generation does, so, so think of it like this in, in, in a very contemporary way. What a parent does today, the next, your children We'll take it to the extreme. What one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. But, but addictions, when we talk about addictions, it's a whole lot more than drugs and alcohol and pornography and things like that. So many people, and I really believe this, so many believers are a shell of what they could be because they, they, they have addictions that have absolutely nothing to do with the vices that I mentioned. Here's what, so what is an addiction? Okay, here's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. He said, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Now, I like the, par the paraphrase of the Living Bible, and it gives a little more clarity to it, a different perspective. Here's the way it reads. For a man is a slave to whatever controls him. That's addiction. A man is a slave to whatever controls him. So now, that broadens it, does it not? So it's not just talking about drugs. It's not just talking about uh, alcoholics or, or, or pornography or things like that. Now it's whatever controls that person potentially becomes an addiction. Now, most of us here, we could start over here. Most of us have known people who have struggled with addiction. You know, for, for a number of years, I served on the, uh, the board for the Dallas County, or not Dallas County, but the Dallas Teen Life Challenge. If you're familiar with that program, uh, the Dallas Teen Life Challenge, there's a Fort Worth that's for the ladies I served on the, men, the board for the men's ministry there. And these, these programs help people because when it comes to addictions, we they're just some things we can't do. And when it comes to addictions, that's one thing. If we don't have God's help, we're not able to break. And so these ministries have been going on for many, many years. Started by David Wilkerson many years ago in the 50s continues on right now. I, when I served on the board, I mean, we had guys that ranged from the age of about 18 all the way up to, I think one of the oldest that I remember being there was about 55 years old, who his entire life struggled with an addiction. And he finally, he finally got to the point where he said, you know what? I don't want to live the rest of my life, however long that is, bound. And so he committed to this process and was set free. Listen, we've all known people that have, been that have been struggling with addiction, but today they're free through the power of Jesus Christ. I mean, I love hearing stories of people that, 
that have come out of bondage, of whatever type of bondage it was, and today they're free. Some of you remember some of the dramas that we've done in the past, and we have done cardboard testimonies. Well, we've had people that have come up here and in the past they may have been addicts. They may have been addicted to alcohol or cocaine or heroin or something like that. And by the grace of God, today they stand totally free and totally uh, sober and their lives are on a great track. See, those are great stories. We know people like that. But we also know there are people today that are struggling with those types of addictions. What's even more is today we're bombarded with ad- ad- advertising that wants to tell us that that. All we need to meet emotional needs or spiritual needs is some substance or an acquisition. Isn't that what society says? How do you know you don't enjoy the pleasure if you hadn't tried it at least once? How how do you know that you can't be happy if you don't buy this? Isn't that what society does? I mean, it seems like we're bombarded time and time again with, with, hey, you you can feel good about yourself if you buy that new car. How many's ever bought a new car and it didn't make you feel any better? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, in fact, when you got the first payment slip in, you kind of had a buyer's remorse, right? Or that new outfit. I'm not not against shopping, okay? Don't read between the lines. I'm not against shopping. But I'm saying that our society has so taught us and conditioned us that the next purchase can somehow magically erase the emptiness that we feel inside. Right? Right? I mean, think about it. A certain brand of perfume will make you feel special. A vacation in Hawaii will relax you. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. And, and here's what they do. You know, don't worry about how you're going to pay for it. I mean, today's easy credit. All you got to do is get a credit card. You know, for six months, we'll give you no interest. <laughs> yeah, because then they're going to sock it to you. Just put it on a credit card. Go on this vacation. And then worry about how you're going to pay for it. Again, we, we, we're a debtor nation. That's one of the reasons we're a debtor nation is because people have been programmed to believe that the next purchase or this thing here is going to somehow relieve what's empty, what's missing inside. And so we do that. We, we, we buy something. We take a trip. We get new clothes. We're all trying to chase the blues away. And you know what? It's not working. It's not working. In psychology, they call this classic conditioning. Anybody ever heard of that before? Classic conditioning. It's kind of like, it's how you train something. It's, it's doing the, the, the behavior over and over and awarding that behavior. You know, I, was, I told the early service several months ago, maybe in the last year, I went over and visited with uh, George Darling Williams. And they got this little dog that they have, a couple dogs actually, but this one dog in particular. They have a piano, little kid's piano, sitting over by the, by the wall. And so I was visiting with them, and they said, watch this. And so they said to their dog, you want a treat? That dog goes over to that piano and starts banging on the piano. And I'm just like, wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I'm waiting for it to play Mary Had a Little Lamb next time I go, you know. But that dog had been conditioned to go hit the piano and got a treat. That's what society does. That's what addictions do. That if you keep repeating and getting, it's that reward behavior there. It's, uh, it's that emotional play, uh, payoff that's reinforced. What happens is our brain forms an attachment to those things and those ha- habits become stronger. That, that's where we are. Addictions are more than substance abuse. I mean, there's some people that are a slave to work. I'm not knocking work, by the way. The Bible's very into work. We were created to work. 
I hate the laziness of our society today, but that's another message. But some people are slaves to work. Some people are slaves to jealousy. Some people are slaves to gossip. Well, we don't hear that much anymore, do we? Well, we don't need to because we, we, we kind of disguise it like a prayer request, right? I, I'm, I'm just saying this where we are. Some people are slaves to anger. Their temper, man, they just lose it in a, in a moment. And other, other things like that. Anything that controls us can become an addiction. And I'm telling you, if you want to tap into the abundant life that Jesus came to give us in 2024, if you want your year to be the year that God has already designed for you, then we've got to change some of the habits that we have. We've got to break free from the, the things that control us. We can never experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us if we remain enslaved to those life-controlling addictions. Now, I know this may be a little bit different than, than what uh, you view addictions, but, but how many people sit in good Bible-believing teaching churches that are powerless to break free from the things that have sabotaged their life? One year turns to another, to another, to another, and then a decade passes, and another decade passes, and they're still in the same spot, spinning their wheels like they've always done. Why? Because they can't break free. I don't know about you, but I think it's time to get free. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's part of the new covenant. He came, the Bible says, Paul writing to the Corinthians said, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And if God's going to do something new in our lives, we can't just keep sitting there spinning our wheels. How many ever been stuck? Stuck in the mud with a vehicle. Isn't that the most aggravating thing? Man, you can floor that thing no matter how fast you spin the wheels. That's all they do, just spin and just kick up dirt. There are a lot of people that are pushing the gas spiritually, but because they've never broke free, they're just spinning. And the harder they try, the more they spin. The hey, and, and this is nothing new, by the way. Paul even himself struggled with it. Romans chapter 7, <laughs> Paul said it like this. He said, I know there's nothing good in me that is in my flesh. He said, for I want to do good, but I don't do it. And I, don't want, and, and I do not do the good that I want to do. Instead, I'm always doing the sinful things that I don't want to do. If I'm always doing the very things I don't want to do, it means I'm no longer the one who does it. It's the sin that lives in me. Now, now that's easy to understand, but I love the way the Message Bible paraphrases it. Here's what it says. He said, but I need something more. For I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every single time. Isn't that good? We all struggle like that. We all have those struggles. It sums up the dilemma that you and I face all the time. We, we want to live a life pleasing to God. We cry around the altar. We pray for God to help us. We walk away fully intended on living in the freedom, and then all of a sudden that life-controlling habit sneaks back in, and boom, there we are again, right back in it. So how do we break free from it? How do we break free from those habits? Again, it's not, it's not don't get locked into drugs and alcohol and, and 
and, and pornography and lust and things like that. I, 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 don't get locked into the substance side of it because it could be anger, it could be gossip, it could be lustful spirit, it could be many things that become a controlling habit of who we are. How do we break free? Well, Paul said like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I love this scripture. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common. Everybody say common. You're not, you're not an exception. How many's ever felt like nobody's ever gone through what you're going through? I know I have, but Paul said, wait a minute, you're not an exception. No temptation has overcome you or seized you, but that which is common to man, and God is faithful. There it is. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, grab hold of that truth. But God is faithful. And then he goes on and says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Some of you remember years ago, I used to have a saying that you can't kill a cockroach in a corner with a round-toed shoe. You can't. You gotta you, you gotta have one of those boots with the points on it, because that roach is always gonna have a way out, always gonna have a an avenue of escape. That's what Paul said. Paul said, "Look, nothing that comes to you, God's not gonna allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. You can bear. God will always provide a way. There'll always be an avenue for you to get out if you'll pay attention to it. Always." So how do we, what are the steps to victory? How do we get out of it? How do we break free? Well, there are three things this morning. Number one, admit you have a problem. Boy, we don't like that today. You know what it means? It means we have to start with confession. Start with confession. Accepting the responsibility that we have a problem. Now, I know that flies right in the face of today's contemporary society because nobody wants to acknowledge anything. Not my fault. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's the preacher's fault. It's this. It's the environment. It's my school. Everybody wants to pass the buck. It's, it, it's the same. I mean, that's the way it's been. I mean, you remember in the Garden of Eden? That's what they did. God comes down walking in the cool of the evening. You know, they had, they had eaten of the forbidden fruit. God comes down like he had done before because God's in communion, okay? So he comes down to have fellowship with his creation, the crown of his creation. He's looking says, and he can't find Adam. Where's Adam and Eve? They're hiding. And God says, Adam, where are you, buddy? <laughs> For a little while he searches and finally Adam comes out and he said, why didn't you answer when I called you? And he said, well, because we're naked. Who told you that? You know the story. Adam? What's this you've done? Well, God, it was her. That's what he said. It was her. Eve, what's this you've done? It was a snake. And we've been doing that ever since. Here, here's the truth. We cannot defeat what we refuse to acknowledge. We, we can't. We cannot defeat what we refuse to acknowledge. And again, that's applicable whether it's a drug, an alcohol problem, or an anger problem, or a gossip problem. If I don't acknowledge that I have a problem, 
then I'll never break free from it. You know, here's what John writes in 1 John 1, 9. says, if we do what? If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us, not only that, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You see the connection there? If I want to break free, then I've got to confess. I've got to acknowledge. If you have an anger problem, acknowledge you have an anger problem. If you have a lust problem, acknowledge you have a lust problem. If you have a drug problem, acknowledge you have a drug problem. That's the beginning step of breaking free. Some of you know my story. I, 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 for 30 years, you know, stories that I've, I've lived through my lifetime. And again, it's not one of those been there, done that. But I've shared this with you many times. I, I had a filthy mouth. When I, I, I ran away from home when I was 17. I was a junior in high school. Left home, never went back. Had a real filthy mouth. I was called to preach when I was seven, okay? So I was raised in church, but then I hit my teenage years, and I did what a lot of teenagers do. do. I checked my brain out, you know, checked my brain in, and I went out and just went stupid. But when I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1985, I remembered the calling that God had on my life when I was a, with a, a little boy. And my, in the barracks in San Antonio, Texas, in the military, I'm kneeling beside my bunk, and I said, God, if you can still use me, here I am. And God said, my call is without repentance, but you've got to clean your mouth up. See, I, I had a problem. I had a real bad problem with, with a filthy mouth. And I needed God to do something about it. And God, he said, I cannot use you until you get your mouth clean. That, that's for me, that was for me. And, and here's the thing. No matter how hard I tried, I, I could never do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No, no matter how hard I wanted to stop, there were other things he told me. I'm not going to share them with you, but <laughs> that's, that's relevant to where we are. That's germane to our topic this morning. That, he just said, look, you've got to clean your mouth up. You can't do that and be the minister that I want you to be. And so I tried, and you know what? I just I never did it. I couldn't get it done. And one day it dawned on me. I had locked into a pattern of talk that had been reinforced for years. How many know what I'm talking about? You just get locked into it, whatever it is. You just get locked into a pattern for years, and it's, it's almost like you don't even think about it. It's just, a, it's just an automated response. You just do it because you've always done it. It's like putting autopilot on or hitting, uh, you know, now they got these cars that supposedly will drive itself. You just hit a button, and good luck with that one. But anyway, I mean, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to think. It's just a natural response. And so here's what I did. I said, you know what? If I'm going to be victorious, then I've got to change. I, the only way I can do it is I've got to employ higher help. I've got to go to somebody greater. Listen, true healing begins with confession. Denial will never lead us to victory. So I had said, God, listen, I understand. I, don't, I, you, I understand that I have a problem. I need some help. Denying it never would. You know, it, it, it doesn't lead to victory. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, in chapter 12, that we're to throw off every weight and throw off every sin. Why? Because it entangles us. It entangles us. You know, he writes that we're to throw it off. See, the path to victory begins by admitting we have an addiction or we have a life-controlling habit that weighs us down and keeps us from living the life that Christ called us to. Here's the thing. Alcoholics who never admit they're alcoholics will never find freedom. Never find freedom. Angry people who never admit they have an anger problem, will never, will never experience freedom. Gossips, 
who never acknowledge that they're a gossip will never find peace. I mean, the list goes on and on. We could talk about uh, anything, holding on to bitterness and resentment. We could talk about being arrogant and being proud. Anything that controls us. If we don't acknowledge that we have an issue, we'll never experience the freedom. We'll never be set free. Which leads to the second part. The second step is to depend on God's power. See, when I had that, when God reminded me of my filthy mouth and said, I can't use you like that, I tried. And no matter how hard I tried, I never could do it. You know, some people say, oh, just suck it up. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Anybody ever heard that before? It didn't work. It didn't work. Because like Paul, what I wanted to do, I didn't do. And what I didn't want to do, I ended up doing anyway. So I finally said, God, help. (laughs) I mean, sometimes that's all you have to do. God, help. What did Paul say in Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God wanted me free. God wanted me to have the victory. So here's what I did. I had to depend on his power because I wasn't strong enough. So every day, and I've shared this with you before, every day I started a prayer. And every day I said, God, today I want to, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And then I added some other things. I prayed for other things. But specifically, every single day, I prayed that. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, may it be pleasing to you. I prayed that every day. And after, I don't know, six months or so, it dawned on me that I did not talk like I used to talk. It was gone. The habit was broken. And you've heard me before, my my children, my daughter's right over here, my son's in the back with the production room. My children grew up in my house and never heard a cuss word come out of my mouth. Never. Again, I'm I'm not saying that to, I'm just simply saying that God gave me the power to do what I could not do. If you're if you have struggles with, with temper, if you anger, if you have trouble with you know, struggles or addictions to, to, to whatever, God help me. If you're a gossip, go to God. God, you know I'm a gossip. I mean, he already knows it. God, I have a problem. I run my mouth too much. Help me not to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of being silly, but you understand what I'm talking about. Ask God to help. I love what Isaiah 41.10 says. Here's what God says. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Listen what this, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What does he say? I'll help you. You can't do it on your own, but I'll help you. My desire is to help you. I want you to be free. I want you to have liberty. I want you to walk free from that shackle that has ensnared you and, 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 and has held you back for years. I want you to be free from that. I don't want you to spin your wheels all the time. I'll help you. Don't be afraid. We don't like to do that. We don't, you know, there's some people that are bound to depression and fear and anxiety, and they, they don't take risks anymore. They don't step out in faith anymore. They don't jump into ministries anymore because they're afraid. Well, what if they don't like me? What if, well, you know, listen, hey, I hate to burst your bubble, but there are some people that just won't ever like you. But they're bound. He said, I'll help you. I'll help you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. You know, how many's ever played in sports in school and you had a fan club? You know, and they would be on the side, they would be on the sidelines or in the bleachers and they would cheer you on. There's something about that. 
there's something that just, that just I don't know, it's like an extra oomph to do your best. I, I, I played in the, uh, of course, you know I was a baseball player, and my claim to fame was in 1980. Some of you weren't even born then, but in 1980, I played in the Babe Ruth World Series tournament that was uh, uh, for Mobile, Alabama. We were in the tournament to end up going to the World Series. We, we didn't win, by the way, but, but, uh, but I got to play in it. And uh, my mom, even though we didn't have such a great relationship, my mom was my biggest cheerleader. And the, 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 the series that we played there in, in the South was played at Stanky Field at the University of South Alabama. And I'd never been in a stadium that big before. When I walked in there the first time, and I'm, I'm seeing this massive baseball stadium, I'm overwhelmed because I'd never been in a place like that. I played dirt lots and, and things like that. And I was just, you know, even in high school, we, we just we didn't have stadiums like that. And I was overwhelmed. And, and I, I was nervous. My mom, we had televised games. My mom was on TV. They interviewed her because my number was always five. For 12 years, I had number five. And my mom wore a shirt, mom of number five. And I could hear my mom when I'd get up to bat. I was a catcher. But when I'd get up to bat, my mom would be screaming in the stands. I remember one time I tried to throw a guy out. And the, and the guy that was playing the bass didn't get his glove down. And I was always taught to throw down to the ground, catch it, and tag him out. So it hit this kid in the back. His mom was in the stand, too, and she was his fan. So she comes running out. She's ready to come and tackle me <laughs> on the ball field. And here comes my mom. <laughs> You're not going to mess with my boy. I, I'm, I'm saying there's something about being, having a cheerleader that makes you try harder, give more of an effort. God said, look, when you're struggling with addictions, when you're struggling with these strong, and that's why, by the way, an addiction is a stronghold. A stronghold is surrendered ground in your spirit. It's ground that you've refused to submit to his lordship. And, and it, it, it would always, that, 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 that territory, the enemy will always come out and nip at you, trying to ensnare you again. And he says, look, I'm with you. And if you're struggling right now, whether it be anger, lust, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, I'm telling you, you've got a cheerleader that says, Johnny, I know you can do it. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to get up every day and say, today's a new day. Don't be afraid to say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Those old things have passed away. All things, don't be afraid because I'm with you and I will help you. That's what he's saying to us today. When it comes to being set free from habits that bind us, Jesus can do more in a moment than our experts can do in a lifetime. Start your day every day. God, today, you know, I struggle with, with anger. And I know there are going to be people today that are going to push my buttons, and there's going to be the temptation. Listen, I, I, he's still working on me, by the way. I pray this all the time because I don't like traffic. I, hey, I wouldn't have an issue if everybody learned how to drive. <laughs> Some of you got the same problem I have. But you pray every day, God, help me today to not blow it. When that, when that, when that waiter comes back and they, they get my order wrong, don't let me blow up at them. 
Don't let my impatience show. I know that's meddling right now, but that's the truth. We feel, we get like that. You know, God said, hey, I'll help you. I'll walk with you through this. God today helped me to live this way. God helped me today to do this. And you know what he said? I'll help you. I'll help you. The third thing is this. I got to hurry. Replace bad habits with good habits. Listen, nature doesn't like a vacuum. Got to fill it with something. Here's a story that I think illustrates that point. Numbers chapter 33. He said, but if you do not drive, listen to what he said. This is the children of Israel. Okay, so, so the generation before them has already passed off. Okay, now, the, now they're going in and they're going to inherit the promised land. The problem is there's enemies in the promised land. So here's what God says through, through Moses. He said, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain, I love this analogy. He said, will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. I like that. They will give you trouble in the land and where you live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Did you see what God said? If you go into your promised land, your, that inheritance that I have for you, and you don't tackle those strongholds that are there, there will be a thorn in your side. You know what God's saying? He's saying, look, those strongholds that you've allowed in your life for years, if you don't tear them down, for, how many know the term forward operating location or a forward outpost or something like that? So in the military, you, you had, so, so if you're a forward operating location, a lot of times we have guys set up behind enemy lines, things like that. They set up strategically so they can launch out patrols and stuff behind enemy lines to disrupt their plans. That's the same analogy here. God says, look, you've got strongholds in your life. They're, they're enemies that are in your land. And if you don't drive them out, they're going to keep shooting out at you, disrupting your purpose, disrupting your, disrupting your destiny. So go ahead and drive it out. That's, that's what he's saying, I think, to the church in 2024, is that those strongholds that you've held on to for a long time, trust me, I'm with you. Don't be afraid to step out and say, let's, ta let's tackle this, because if you don't, there'll be a nag. How many's had something that's persisted for years? Yeah, I, I think most of us, he, that's, that's, that's what he's talking about, get rid of it. Is it going to be easy? No. No, it's not. God told Moses that before the Israelites settled in the promised land that they should drive out the wicked inhabitants and destroy their idols. So we fast forward to Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells us to do the same thing. Basically, Paul says you need to take out, I always called it the garage sale chapter. <laughs> you need to take out the old stuff. And replace it with new stuff. And then you can walk in that victory. Like the Israelites moving into the promised land, we all have a choice. We can destroy the strongholds in our lives, or we can settle down and live with it. And I think today, we've got a lot of believers that have made a somewhat of a peace with their strongholds. They're existing. Oh, they're not bad people. And I don't mean that. They're, they're, they're not bad people. They're just bound. They're bound to anger, they're bound to jealousy, they're bound to hatred, they're, they're bound to whatever. They're just bound. They're not bad people. They're just struggling. And I really, really believe, 2024, dare to believe that this year will be the year you're free. When Moses stood before the children of Israel, right there before the Red Sea, you got the enemy coming up from behind, you got the mountains on the side, they're there scared to death because the enemy's going to come back, Pharaoh changed his mind. What, is, what did Moses do? He says, 
stand and see the salvation of your God. And then he said, this enemy today that you see, you will never see them again. I believe that's the message to the church today, that if you will tackle that stronghold that's in your life, that thing will, oh, there'll be other battles. I'm not saying there won't be, okay? Don't read between the lines. But what God's saying is that 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 stronghold that you have right now that you've been battling for years, if you will deal with it now, it'll never be an issue. For me, go back to 1985, it was a filthy mouth. That was my stronghold. God said, I can't use you if you don't clean it up. That was my stronghold. I, I defeated it with God's help. And fast forward all these years, you know what? It's never been an issue again. It's never been another issue. Oh, there are other things, <laughs> but that's not been an issue. So what kind of habits? i got to hurry. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. So I said replace bad habits with good habits. So what are some of the, what are the, some of the good habits that we need to replace? Well, number one, I call connectivity. Well, what does that mean? Well, it just means this. Our faith was not intended to be lived out in isolation. In other words, God didn't call us to be long rangers. You know what he did? He called us to be community. They tell me right now, statistically in Western church, that an average churchgoer is every third Sunday, and that's even changing some now. Every third Sunday is an average normal churchgoer. So what we do in our ministries here, we announce it at least three times, because if you don't announce it three times, you're not cover everybody. Because every Sunday, about one-third of the congregation is out. Again, I'm, I'm not speculating on anything. I'm just simply saying that's what the data is. I'm saying that your faith was never intended to be lived out in isolation. God created us to belong. That's why Paul, in his writings throughout the epistles, he often described the church like a body. We're, we, we're this body. We're, we have many members, and yet we're one body. It's important to understand that. In fact, God... Not only we talk about the body analogy, it's in the body that we receive correction. It's in the body that we receive instructions. It's in the body that we worship together as a family and experience the grace and mercy of God collectively. It's a beautiful thing. How marvelous it is when the brethren come together and worship. But you know what? The body is also a place of healing. In fact, God says through James chapter 5 that we're to confess one to another. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We're healed when we admit our faults to each other. And I know, I know there have been people that you've taught, said things to and they've, they've broken your confidentiality and they've told other people. I, I'm just simply saying that there's something healing when the body comes together and you confess your faults to one another. There, there, there's a spiritual thing that takes, I know it sounds odd, um, but I think the root of our problem is relational. It's relational. We, we lie to each other. We deceive each other. We're dishonest with each other. We wear masks. We pretend that we all have it together, but we really don't. And so when we come together and we take the mask off and we're honest with each other, there's a healing that takes place. So connectivity. I think 2024, this body needs you and you need this body. I've often said every one of these chairs, and I, again, I have no numbers, has never been an impressive thing to me. We minister about 600 different people throughout the month that come through. Wish they'd all come at one time, but anyway, we, <laughs> we, we, we minister about 600 different people throughout the month. 
Every one of these chairs represents a soul for whom Christ died. And I believe we're charged to reach. We need each other. I need you, you need me, we need each other. Because we build, see, just like you weave the negative together one cord at a time and you get an unbreakable bond, it also applies to something good when you weave that together. The Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. The last point is this, the last habit. Versus connectivity means come together. Pace, I'm going to just call it pace for lack of creativity. (laughs) What does that mean? It just means take one day at a time. Take one day at a time. Used to be a song years ago. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. That's it. Matthew chapter 6, he said, give us this day our daily bread. The path to victory is taking one day at a time. When I wake up in the morning, I pray, God, today, let me walk in honor of you. Today, let my mouth, that's what my prayer was. Today, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing. Some days I did well, some days I didn't. I'd come home at night and say, God, I blew it today, I'm sorry. But I'll try better. I'll try better tomorrow. Because you see, there are people out in our community that we may be the only Bible they ever read. And I say, God, let me be a, a version that's true. Let my life tell a story that reflects who you are. God, today, you know, I struggle with jealousy. Help me today. Help me today not be jealous. Help me to not be envious of others, what they have, what they're doing. And then you do it, you know what? If you do well, celebrate. If you don't, repent. Next day, get up and do it again. It's like the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. Our problem is we try to live, I said it a couple weeks ago, we always try to live out there somewhere in the distance when this happens I'll be happy when this happens it'll be all right no live today live today enjoy him today rely on him today and if you get another tomorrow you do that with him tomorrow again every day so as I close this morning let me ask you what what life controlling habit is sabotaging you right now Again, I, I'm not going to ask you to tell me. I'm not. That, I'm, I'm just asking. What, what is it that's controlling you this morning? And again, be careful about a narrow definition of what an addiction is. It's not. It's not again just drugs and alcohol and pornography and things like that. I'm talking about anger and and jealousy and envy and bitterness and resentment and all those things. If it controls you, it's a habit that needs to be broken. And the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That means that that husband-wife relationship, instead of keeping score, I'm meddling now. Instead of keeping score, you let it go. You let it go. Instead of being bitter towards what happened in the past, you let it go. What addictions this morning do you struggle with? Again, whatever controls you is addiction. Here's my thing, you can be free today. You can walk out of here today on the path to freedom. 
Now listen, I've seen God do things instantaneously. I've seen people that, listen, I've known people that have struggled with, with, with substance abuse for years. I've seen people sobered up. I was at a meeting one time and there was a guy that, I mean, you could smell him from the third row. Totally inebriated. And I watched the power of God sober that guy up just like that. I mean, just like he had never had a drop. But I've also seen people that have had to go to support groups and try and work and struggle. But they did. And today there are people that are sitting here that have had addictions in the past that sit here sober and free from drugs and alcohol and other things because of the power of God. I'm telling you, he can do it instantly or he can do it through your daily steps. But if you want to be free, you can be free in Jesus. Won't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask our prayer team if you would just be on standby this morning. Listen, if you're hurting, if you're struggling today with, with any type of addictions, strongholds, things that you say, you know what, I'm ready to, I want to be free from that. You know, I've been dealing with this for years, five years, ten years, three years, one year, whatever it is. I want to be free. While they sing this morning, would you just come and would you let our prayer team pray with you this morning? Listen, I promise you, if you've ever experienced freedom, I, what, I should, what I should have had was some folks who have won some incredible testimonies to say what it was like to be struggling with addiction and to be free, the difference. Once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there's nothing else in the world that even comes close to comparing. So this morning, as they sing, if you're, if you're struggling with a substance abuse or if you're struggling with, a, with prescription medication, if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with jealousy, whatever it is, say, Pastor, you know what? Today I want to start my journey. I want to be free. As they sing, would you come and let us pray with you this morning?
lift your hand up to him this morning. Lord, we just love you today. We honor you today, Lord. Lord, take every, take every hurt. Lord, take every unmet expectation. Lord, take every wound that's been inflicted and heal it. Every betrayal that still stings today, Father, take that. Jesus. We speak Jesus over every mountain, every obstacle, every challenge, every failure, every disappointment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. prayer we're going to stay right here we will pray with you listen God's able God wants us to be free he said don't don't fear taking a risk don't be afraid of stepping out I'll be with you I'll uphold you I'll help you that's God's word father today thank you thank you for freedom thank you for freedom if you make us free we are free indeed and we're not to be entangled any longer in that past bondage. Lord, today, we lay down those strongholds. We surrender that ground back to you. We put it under your lordship. Lord, we begin the process today of being free. Father, I pray that we walk out today determined to no longer be entangled or ensnared by the feelings and the things of the past. Lord, if there's substance abuse involved, Lord, we thank you that you are stronger, that you can help us, that, Lord, there, there, there are things that we can do today, Lord, that we can have total and complete freedom. So, Father, I pray we determine today, we choose freedom in you, not to, not to have a happy detente with the strongholds of the past, but, Lord, today, we want to break free, be set free in the name of Jesus, and we want to walk in that freedom and see the fruit of that. Go with us today, Lord. We're going to keep praying. Lord, go with us today. May we walk out in victory knowing that you're for us and not against us. And no weapon formed can prosper. And they all will fall and rise up. I bless each one now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. You need prayer. We're going to pray with you this morning. Thank you for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you and I love you.